Brothers and sisters, it's wonderful to be back to what was originally my own home ecclesia, into which I was baptized. A lot of new faces, but that makes no difference. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Brethren, we are entering near the time of the Lord's second return to the earth. They are wonderful times, but they can be fearful times also. What we need to do today, brethren and sisters, is have a faith, and a reserve of faith that is as large as the heavens itself to draw upon. As the brother has said this morning in his exhortation, we, mankind is making everything that his imagination can conceive of into a God. But we have assembled here, yesterday and today, because we believe in one God, the God of Israel. And I emphasize the word Israel. We don't hear enough about it. We hear about God, but not the God of Israel. We have heard about the first commandment, love the Lord thy God. But what does Christ say? Hear, O Israel, we are the Israel of God. We are the ones who should love that God. Let us never forget to put that into that first commandment. Hear, O Israel, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. You're leaving a very important part of the scriptures out when you fail to put that first phrase to it. It's just the same as we might say the Christmas message. Peace on earth. If you leave out the glory to God, you can't have peace. Let us learn to put first things first. And speaking of faith, our brother last night gave us a wonderful example of Noah. Such a thing as rain had never been heard of. They knew it not. But here was one man out of possibly 30 million who had faith, who believed in God so ardently. His love was so fixed upon the God of heaven, the creator of the earth, for he was not known at that time as the God of Israel. Now when God told him to build this mammoth ship, we think of the three ships that Columbus came over on. Very small ships, the largest I think was about 84 feet in length. But this ship that Noah built was in a neighborhood of 450 foot long, three stories high, and breadth in proportion. Brethren, that required faith to build it for 120 years, and every one of those 30 million people knowing about it and ridiculing him to his face, telling him what a fool he was. But even with all that ridicule, his faith was constant. It never varied. And when the day came for him to go into the ark, he was obedient, and he went in. Not only was his life saved, but the life of those who were willing to follow him. The lives of seven other people besides himself were saved. That requires faith. We all know of another circumstance of wonderful faith. Abraham. He must have been a wonderful, wonderful man. 
he was told that his seed should inherit the land for an everlasting possession. He was given a child in his old age, something unheard of even in that day and time. This added to his faith. And when the child was about 17 years of age, he was told to take this child upon a mountain and there to offer him as a living human sacrifice. It would occur to most people, if I offer this child in sacrifice and the child dies, how can I have a seed through him that is going to inherit this vast land that I have walked through literally the length and the breadth of it forever? Such a thing as a resurrection had never taken place. It was unknown, unheard of. But through faith that this man Abraham had in the God who created the heavens and the earth, he took up the knife and would have slain his son. When God saw the tremendous amount of faith that that man had, he stopped him from doing it. All he wanted from Abraham was an indication that he had faith. Brethren, we need that faith today as much as Abraham needed it in his day. And more so, in one sense of the word, as we see the terrible condition that's coming upon the face of the earth, when men have invented weapons to the degree that they can even melt the elements. We know God is not going to let man use it indiscriminately. But we can also have another sign that requires us to have faith. And that is the sign of the rising of the Catholic power. And never let us, brethren, ever mistake the subtlety and the power of that religion. They are working today as they have never worked before. And that which has been set in motion may have a tremendous effect upon our lives. We may have to stand up and give an answer in our day and our time. To men, because of this wonderful hope we have, by hope you're saved. There are a lot of things that are hard for us to understand, even if we peruse the Bible and meditate upon it. Brethren, each one of us has something to give to the truth. God has called us because we have talents. It is up to us to use those talents that God may have glory. But we have brethren whose works sometimes are being put aside by this generation, and it's unfortunate. The works of Brother Thomas, Brother Roberts, and Brother Williams. And there are other writers, wonderful men, who perused the Bible, who took the time to do it, who loved it and who made it their life and their joy, and their expectation came from these things. They have written things that we may not even have thought about. And when you read Elpis Israel, you read the world's redemption, you can pick up a tremendous amount of new thoughts. Thoughts that will fill your heart with joy and will give you peace. We need those old brethren. We need their writings. Let us turn back to some of them. There's a lot of modern thought to the materialism of the world today. Some of them may be good, but a lot of them are not based upon the solid foundation of Christ and of the apostles. I think 
We all believe that these brethren, particularly Brother Thomas, revived the truth in these latter days. We are forced in this day and time to have been called out of the darkness of the world. And we have heard today and yesterday how dark and brutal the world is in its knowledge of God. Let us turn when we don't understand certain passages of scriptures after we have perused it from page to page, from chapter to chapter, and book to book, and see what these men have written. It is quite possible that we can get a further understanding of these things. How long was Noah building an ark? 120 years. Dr. Thomas came on the scene. I'm giving us just as a thought, approximately 19 or 1848. A hundred years later, you have Israel come to a nation. There's been a thought of some that it's possible that Christ might come by 1970. Brethren, whether he comes in 1970 or not makes no difference. But because of the things that we see in the world today, in this city, I haven't been back here for 14 years, I've seen a tremendous change. It's material changes. It's not, material, it's not spiritual changes in the midst of the city. Everybody's running to and fro, but not after the truth. It is a truth that we should be running after. God, in his mercy, had given us in the neighborhood of 70, year, or 70 years on this earth. And from the time when we are a man until the time we are 70 is approximately 50 years. Just for 50 years of following the Lord Jesus Christ, he will, on the day of judgment, if we are found worthy, give us a place and a kingdom that will never end. Think of it. 50 years. For eternity. If we have the proper faith. Brethren, keep the faith and lose not thy crown. Dear brethren and sisters, it is indeed a great pleasure for me to greet you all in such a wonderful hall and such a wonderful place which we have. It is a distinct honor to be invited to address a group like I have before me because I can say that I don't think any group could be addressed where they have the one belief and the one faith It is a great surprise if you try to interview people that belong to certain groups to find how little they know about the faith which they are supposed to have. And before me 
I recognize such great Bible scholars. You are familiar with the work which you have to do. I have worked in the vineyard for a few years. And the thing that always impresses me, and the thing that I want to work for, is to hold fast. The most important thing is to hold fast, brothers and sisters. I've seen so many workers, brilliant scholars, and wonderful orators leave the narrow path and wander away. It's not so important that you get up here and talk. The thing that's important is to hold fast to your truth. Let nothing come in your way. Of course, it's very important to know the truth, which you are all do. And I like to look at it this way. The men through which we are instructed in the Bible, Paul, Timothy, Luke, and all the great men, it's a reality. It's not a myth or something mysterious even. That's a real truth which we have through the resurrection of Christ. And this is the day of the resurrection. If it wasn't for that, we would need no faith. You all know that my favorite verse chapter is the 15th of Corinthians, known as the resurrection chapter. Paul calls it the gospel. Of course we would have no resurrection, no gospel rather, without the resurrection which is made possible. And why do we need a resurrection? What is our condition? Open the Bible right from the center. Psalms 146. The, hundred, the fourth verse. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. And that very day his thoughts perish. That's a very dark picture, brethren and sisters. But read the next verse. Blessed is the man who has the God of Jacob for his help, who puts his trust in the Lord his God. There's the answer. We go back to the promises made to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob upon which our faith is built. And don't forget it's sure. 
Luke, who traveled with Paul, says in the very beginning, he tells us of the surety of the things in which we believe. Now he must have known something. He's acquainted with Paul and knew what he was talking about. And Paul tells us for the gospel, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, and by which ye are saved. Could anything be better than that, brothers and sisters? That's wonderful. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So let us always keep in memory what he preached unto us. For, us, for the preaching in vain refers us to the judgment. It's a wonderful unfolding of the truth which he gives us. In that chapter, no other chapter in the scriptures contains so much of the gospel. Ministers of different denominations all over the world use it as a resurrection chapter. Of course it's a resurrection chapter because that's what the gospel is for. My time is up. Thank you.